Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I am Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we are back again for another, with another episode where we talk about closure and uh, its side effects on our lives. And uh, ooh, so ooh, we, I see what you're doing there. We really love closure and we love talking about it. Um, so, uh, and we've been talking lately about closure core. Uh, which is, um, you know, it's the toolkit that you get by default. No, no libraries. All the batteries are included in this one. So, um, this episode we're going to be talking about uh, about not being lazy, for once. <laughs> I thought that was like one of the uh, essential values of a developer, at least according to Larry Wall, right? Laziness, hubris, something like that. <laughs> I forget what the last one is. Maybe that's because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Send us an email. <laughs> that's right. Uh, this week we're going to talk about do seek, do all, do run, run. <laughs> it almost sounds like the one beginning of, is not of like one the... of the songs for our programmer bands. You know, it's not a band name. This is like got to be song lyrics, right? Right. Reminds me of that little children's song. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do seek, do all, do run, run. <laughs> but, but it is interesting, right? There's there's four very similar looking functions, and they each have their own purpose in their own little niche. And and like, why? why? Why do we have these? Yeah, I think why why do we want to not be lazy? I mean, I think we've talked a lot over the course of our podcast uh, history, and it ha- happens a lot in our in the community where we talk about being lazy, and and laziness is a virtue. You know, we don't we, we want to delay processing as much as possible. So until we just we only need to process the things we actually uh, care about. Uh, but there are times where you do want to actually process. You actually want to, you know affect the world. You want to write to the database. You want to send it out over that WebSocket. You want to call the API. You want to actually do something. And so that's probably why all of the functions were, or most of the functions we're talking about today start with the word do. Because we want to do something. Right. Yes. It's important to note they do not start with the word monad. <laughs> or, or maybe. <laughs> maybe or run. Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. But yes, yes. So closure, closure is uh, Im- loves immutability. The real world loves mutability. <laughs> At some point in time, your programming language it needs a story on how to deal with mutability, how to deal with side effects, and so you can uh, you can reach for monads, uh, a la Haskell, or in closure, it's it's less formal. You don't have to go and let the compiler know. Each and every time you're going to be doing side effects, but you'd still need to be careful with side effects. And so that is why we want to get rid of the lazy, because you really you want to control when those side effects happen. If, if you're doing some kind of I.O., like you're, you're fetching, let's say you're fetching values from a remote uh, service and you're using that to propagate a list of data that you want to process you probably want to finish doing all the fetching, <laughs> right? If you can't process it in a really timely manner. 
Uh, so if you're gonna if you're gonna do the fetch and make a list and park it in memory for a while and then get back to it, well, your I/O may not be done uh, when you park it, and and then you're gonna go and you're gonna try to pull some stuff out of this list, and lo and behold, it's like, oh, I still have some more I to, I/O to do. Meanwhile, the HTTP socket timed out, and everything begins to explode. <laughs> Yes, it's a classic case of the exception not happening where the problem is. Um, <clears throat> I run into this this whenever I am reading a CSV off of the disk, and I have it like with open, you know, open a CSV file, and I want to I want to load the rows in and do some processing, you know, some some mapping and stuff with them. Well, lots of times I, you have to make sure all the I/O happens within that that with open block, otherwise the file is closed, you know, and you are you are you are now up a creek without a paddle. Yeah, yeah, I ran into that exact thing where I had code. The function did the file opening, and it was processing all the rows of, I think, CSV, actually. And then I wanted to just, I just wanted to get the row extraction and and put it in its own function so I could have a nice little convenience function for, like, load rows. And so I did with open, and then I just, you know, grabbed the rows and returned them. And, And then... I go to use it and it it immediately explodes, right? Because I told Closure to close that file right away. So it, it's not just network. It's not just network I/O, right? When you run run into this, it's like there is some there is some side effect because I/O is always a side effect, right? Unless you create something like a monad to encapsulate it. But anyway, so <laughs> there's some side effect. And, and you want to control like when it happens. And so you want to get rid of the lazy uh, to control that side effect. Right, exactly. And in this case, we, we want to, to do two things. We want to get rid of the lazy. We want to, so to speak, smooth the lazy out like we're, we're rolling out a tube of toothpaste. But we want to actually keep the data at the end of it. We don't want to just throw it away. We don't want to just make sure that I.O. happens for I.O.'s sake. We want to actually keep it. So that's why, in this right. case, the best function for that is do all. So if we just throw do all on the end there, uh, or you, or at the beginning there, depending on where your threading is, um, you're going to get all the data back, um, and it will make sure that all the data is realized before the, uh, that that file is handled. That file is closed. Right, and so there's really there's like these two cases. There's data is coming in, and you need to get rid of the lazy on the way in and then there's data going out and you want to get rid of the lazy on the way out and so we'll, we'll get to that but anytime you have some kind of generator that's that's producing information that has IO behind the scenes and you need to be careful like when that IO is done then you want to, it's producing a sequence right and sequences are lazy then you want you want to wrap that in a do all to force out all the I.O. to make it all happen. Now, of course, that's going to mean all the data is then parked in memory, right? So so depending on the size of your data set, if it's the uh, four gigabyte log file <laughs> that you're processing one row at a time, maybe you want to change the structure of your solution <laughs> so that <laughs> the file remains open and you can process it in a lazy way. But if you're fetching something over the network, Maybe you do actually want to load the entire response into memory <laughs> and keep it around for a while. And do all will help you force out that lazy. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think the uh, the the other the other time that I've I've used do all is when I I'm actually trying to do multiple things in parallel. And so I'll split like an input collection into multiple chunks. 
using partition all. And then I will base, use map future to, to spin off a thread for each, for, for grabbing each of those individual bits of data. And so now I have a, a, I have a, I have a collection or a sequence of futures and I want to do all, I want to make sure that they're all created. And then when I deref them, I want to actually, but again, this is, I think your, your distinction is really good is that this is data on the way in that we want to fully realize. And so because of that, we don't want to just do all that IO for the sake of doing the IO, we want to actually capture the data. And so that's why do all is a really good um, a use, a really good appropriate for this use case. Right, and so it's allowing you to use uh, Clojure's wonderful sequence abstractions uh, and and seed some some chain of sequence abstractions. So you know the core functions that we love talking about so much with something that has I/O in it, right? Some I/O-driven source, and then you can do all at the end. And so you can you can get all the joy and beauty of thread macros or transducers or whatever those lovely lazy things are and then and then when you transduce at the end which we're not talking about which forces the lazy out or you um or reduce or do all you know you you you're forcing you're forcing something to be like fully processed uh, so it's it's a nice combination of those two things yeah and just to kind of this really like the, on the way in usually you do want to keep things lazy but um, I've actually found a lot of times when I'm fiddling with data, when I just want to have data in memory and I'm, and I'm pushing it around, that's why I, I use do all. So I actually do all, I don't usually have, we don't, I don't find many do alls in our production code. It's more the, the, the code that we use to, to, to mess around with data that has the do alls in it because that's, that's when we're doing, when we're more interested in making sure that the data is realized in memory. Because you know, most of the time in, 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 in production code, you, you want to, Try to keep your memory your memory overhead as low as possible. Yeah, definitely. So so clearly lazy sometimes you accidentally force lazy out <laughs> when you should be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I can definitely say I've done that more than a few times for sure. So what's interesting is this other side. So we have do all to help us get the lazy out on the way in, right? And it returns a reference to the head of a fully realized sequence. So it's all sitting there in memory. But then we want to, sometimes we want side effects on the way out. And this is really where do seek, do run, and run come in. Because they are all about consuming a list of things or and and doing side effects. On the, on the like way out. Like making the side effects happen. Yeah, on the way out. Right. Where, where, where the side effect is is the goal. You know, I, I have this data and the goal is to write it into the, into the database or the goal is to write it the file system. That's what these four, these three functions are for. <laughs> right. So for example, like do seek is just very convenient because you can write a, a body style block, right? Where you bind each element in the list so that you can then, you then kind of do your thing with it in that body, just very conveniently. It's, it's different than kind of like a map style, right? Because you could do the same, you could achieve the same end result by having a map and then you have your function that does the thing with each thing and then you run do all, right? Or, or you could just achieve the same result to some extent with just plain old run 
and then the function that you want to, you know, do the output and then the input list, right? These are all kind of, so it's semantically, syntactically, it's a bit more uh, pleasant to use do seek if what you're writing is primarily about uh, prepping the data for IO and then shoving it out the door. Right. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think the way the way that I've always looked at it is basically I will use run. And and let me just say, I think that the proper way to say it is run, you know, because you're like, get out of here. <laughs> um, run! I have to say... Yeah, it does have an exclamation point on the end. That may not be obvious in, in, yes. in us speaking of it. Run, bang, run, bang, run, bang. Um, uh, I've actually become quite fond of run, but but that but that's beside the point. Anyway, see if it's if it's bang run, it's like a track race, right? Bang, and then everyone run. But if it's run <laughs> bang, you crashed into something. Well, that's what Gandalf says, you know. Run, you know, get out of yes, here. Yes, run, and then you fools is the exclamation point, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but but back to the closure. Um, yes, do seek is essentially, like, I've always looked at DoSeq as basically run with a body. If I want to just put the body in, in line there, um, it, it, it's it's kind of a, 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 a basically being able to have a thicker body without having to name it. So yeah, if you name it, then you can use it with run or run. And um, what's really interesting is in the research for this episode, I actually went and for the first time in a long time, read the doc string for DoSeq. And it actually refers to four. And so I think the better or a different way of looking at DoSeq is not that it is analogous to run, but that it is analogous to for. So yeah, for yeah. is a way of doing things lazily. And DoSeq is a way of doing the exact same things you can do with for with the, the colon let bindings and the colon while and the, all that other stuff. But, 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 but it's eager instead of lazy. And I think that that's yeah, a really that's a great point. Cool, that's a great like, point. Yeah. If you go back to our episode a few back, all about let tricks, uh, we talk about all the different fun things you can do with let bindings. And do seek and for have those let bindings and have all kinds of neat things that you can do with it. So it allows you, it, it, basically it's a stylistic choice at that point in time that, that allows you to write more concise code or more readable code because of the bindings, the power of bindings. <laughs> By the power of binding, right? I think I think basically it's like if you have a sequence that you that you want to run a, a, a function on. Like for me, I my my favorite run uh, invocation is run println or run prn because both of those take a single argument and you don't have to do a function litter or anything like that. Um, but when you want to actually, you know, you, you need to either unpack each value. Or you need to to do a, a, a limit. It's much uh, DoSeq is a much better tool because it's got it's got it's like a Swiss Army knife. You can pull out all the different little um, uh, abilities. But so run 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 only has you know one trick, but it's a trick that works really well. And it's really one of the reasons why I like it is it's really concise. It's it's always going to be. It's basically like if you it's if you have a you know map and then something with a side effect and a collection, you could just replace the map invocation with run and and essentially you you, you accomplish what do all would or sorry what do run would do. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. Like run plays really well in threading macro type situations. Yeah. Where so maybe you're gonna have a couple of steps that prep each row 
And then you're going to have a run insert DB as your last thing, right? And it's going to go through them all and and call insert DB the insert DB function, which I'm just making up for an example as as on each <laughs> of those elements, right? And so it's it's great for like and now do this IO at the end uh, of of a threading block. It's it's great for that. Yeah, I think. Um probably all of the the run invocations in our code or almost all of them are 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 a result of me um but it's also really fun uh to use them a lot of times in what i call fiddle what we call fiddle code which is basically code that's not you know running in in the production code base but is code that we use to either exercise that code base or to to deal with other stuff and um so so like you said, at the end of my, you know, I've transformed this data eight different ways, and now I want to just print it out. You know, I will have a function that trans- trans- transforms each uh, element into a string, and then I'll do run println so that I can get a report. So basically get a report of that data. Um, or if I want yeah. to have something, I have something that's like a benchmark uh, function, you know, just run bang that benchmark and then range 10 and done. I've, I've done it 10 times. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very really it's very handle for repling. It's very handle for um, we we call it fiddling, but that's using your editor integration to to run expressions in your in your editor, right? So go 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 back to like episode eleven or something, the REPL series. We talk about the REPL and fiddling there, so it's really handy for that. I I think one of the more mysterious of of this for set of four we're talking about would be do run. Do run do run kind of sticks out as being kind of odd. It does not give you the data back. So unlike do all, which which traverses a lazy sequence and then gives you the reference. So do all is like, okay, force out the lazy. Now I have all the data. It's sitting in memory. I'm not going to get some weird exception unexpectedly in some weird place in my code. Do run doesn't give you the re- doesn't give you the reference back. So it's kind of odd, right? Because you would take a lazy sequence and you would do run it and you would get nothing back. So like what's the point of that? So <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's funny. Right? So the point of that is that because closure is all about composing different parts of closure core to create things, you might have code that returns a lazy sequence but it did a side effect in its construction of that lazy sequence. So you don't really have control over what side effect it did. You don't really have control over like specifying anything related to that side effect, but it will hand you a lazy sequence that there is some side effect baked into it. And so then you want to control when it happens. And so you can hand it to do run and control when it happens in that case. Right, exactly. I think, so say you have like, you know, a map and a filter and like you have four or five different steps. Well, step two is the one that actually does the side effect. Well, I can't reach back into step two and make step two, maybe step two is provided by some other library or something. It's like, I I think in general, right, it's kind of an anti-pattern. It's kind of a, a, it's something that I try to avoid in my code is basically having something that, that transforms, uh, data as well as doing side effects in the same function. But a lot of times you can't control that. Uh, and so if there is one of those functions in your in your, in your your chain, do all is a wonderful way of, of making sure that that happens when you want it to happen, not when 
you know, four steps down the road, you happen to run across it. Yeah, I would say we tend to not use do run very much because we tend to not hang out in the land of constructing computations using using like list style composition. So there's functions like iterate that help you do this too that we tend to not use very often, but you you can think of a computation you as a as a sequence, right? You can think of every step in a computation as belonging to a sequence. And something like reduce maybe makes that the most clear, right? Because it's like the previous result of the computation plus the new bit of input, uh, you combine it together, you reduce it together, and now, now you have a new result. But there's some functions like iterate comes to mind off the top of my head where you can use this, this notion of having a sequence of computations in time. And so do run, and so then you're basically pr- producing a lazy, a, a lazy seek of, to some extent, like just thunks, things that are just ready to get executed, but they're not executed yet. And then you can control like, okay, go do them now. And we tend to not do that style very much because I don't know, we, we, I, I personally, I feel like it sort of hides the computation, makes the car- computation hard to find sometimes. Right. It's hard to reason about as programmers love to throw around, but it, it really is hard. It's hard to, it makes it really, it, it, it masks it behind something that should be like we, generally speaking, we always look at sequences as, as pure data with pure transforms. And so it doesn't matter when they happen. And so uh, if there's, if there's hidden computation in there somewhere, it makes it harder to think about it. It's almost like why, why right. you know, might as well go do object-oriented programming at that point. You know, if you want right. to just hide, hide side effects all over the place. And right. So be- you're looking at code and you're seeing a function call that you know does a side effect. But so your assumption is, oh, this, this side effect happens right here. But it doesn't necessarily, if you're using these kind of lazy computational composition type things. And so it separates out the function call to the side effect, so to speak, from from when it actually happens. And so it just, for us, that's like a great source of bugs. So so we just try yeah. to avoid that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big source of confusion. And, and it's another one of those, we talk a lot, the, the, a lot of times in, in functional programming, we talk about pushing IO to the edges. Well, if you have a threading macro, the edges is there's a top edge and a bottom edge. So you want to do do the IO at the top and you want to have everything in the middle be pure and then you have IO at the bottom. And so if your IO is at the bottom, like so your IO at the top is a good place for do all and the IO at the bottom is a good place for run. And so those words should, should stick out at you in the code as, oh, there's IO that happens here. So I'm going to treat this code differently. But everything else, it's basically like, it's like you're drawing a big red mark, you know, around the bad parts of, a, of an essay. It's like, you don't have to look at any of the parts of the essay that aren't marked up. Just look at the parts inside the red. That's where you're going to have, you know, problems. That's where your system's going to touch other, other systems. So that's where you should be careful. And if those are limited behind those red words, you know, the do words and run, then you will... you. When you're not in there, you can be free to think about immutable data and not have to worry about side effects. And so definitely being aware of when something is lazy versus when something isn't lazy is really important. And and you could certainly argue, a la the Haskell community, that 
the programming language should make it more obvious when lazy is happening versus not lazy and so on and so forth in, but via your type system. <laughs> so in Clojure, right. like, like many things, y- there is a bit of careful programming here around lazy. And certainly like having conventions within, within your own team to help with the lazy is, is it, it help control the lazy, you know, is, is really important. Yeah, there's a lot of really powerful concepts in, in Clojure. And, and even though I f- they are simpler and they're easier to combine together, that doesn't mean you can't get yourself wedged. So that's why there are idioms. And that's why there are, you know, that's why code style and code co- construction still matters in Clojure. It's not like suddenly all the guardrails are gone because everything is good. You know, there are still ways you can really get yourself in, in, into code that, that is hard to understand. And so you... St- you still need to have discipline, even though Clojure is so great. Right, right. Even even though Clojure has immutability, it does support side effects, and side effects are still problematic. <laughs> so beware, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. We would love to hear from you on your thoughts about laziness and side effects and I/O and all that. Um, we we would uh, love to hear your input on the matter. Yeah, send us your you, <laughs> send us your side effects. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just can't help myself. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, please let us know. Um, uh, hop into the Closure Design podcast channel on the Closure and Slack. Uh, we've had some good discussions lately um, about some of our recent episodes, and we would love to hear um, how you uh, how you tangle and wrangle and um, and cage up your IO so that it does not poke you in the eye. Um, so you can also send us a tweet, uh, on Twitter at closure design or an email sent to feedback at closure design.club will end up in our inbox and we will look at it and we will write you back. We promise. Definitely. And you can find our past shows, our past episodes on the web at closuredesign.club. You can get the notes there. You can see this episode, our notes from this episode, all that. Definitely recommend going back and listening to some of those older episodes about repelling and let tricks. <laughs> yep, we'll link those in the show notes uh, for quick access. Uh, okay, all right, we'll be back next week for another closure talk. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>